It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. And welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And that, of course, is 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And you can also be listening on the Radio Player Canada app anywhere across the country. If you download the app, type in 106.5 ELMNTFM or 95.7 ELMNTFM. And you can listen on your app right across the country at your leisure. I'd like to welcome my first guest to the show today, Dr. Patricia or Pat Lakin Thomas. She's an associate professor at the Department of Biology at York University. Welcome, Pat. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. Now, uh, Pat is here to, pardon the pun, shed some light on what seems to be becoming uh, a bit of an argument around standard time versus daylight saving time, which is better. Uh, now, in doing some research on this, I found it very interesting to, to, uh, to, to find out that the, the when the daylight savings time came into existence, it was around the First World War uh, to, to try and save energy, I believe. Well, the um, story actually starts earlier than that, okay. which was the late 19th century. Of course, we didn't even have standardized clocks until the railroads came in and telegraphs came in in the middle right. of the 19th century. Before yeah. then, every village had its own time, according mm. to its church uh, bells. Mm. And once industrialization got started, we needed standardized time. And the time zones got set up around the earth. So they decided to chop the earth into these one-hour time zones. Then uh, some people at the end of the 19th century in England noticed that uh, in the uh, summer, they weren't getting as much light in the afternoon as they wanted. And the story goes that some English businessman wanted to get out on the golf links in the afternoon after work. And so he said, I'd like more light in the afternoon. <laughs> so why don't we switch the timing in the summer so we can uh, have more light in the afternoon? Uh, this idea didn't really catch on until after the turn of the century. And interestingly, the first place in the world to adopt daylight saving time was Port Arthur, Ontario. Really? In 1908. I have wow. no idea why. <laughs> Um, it got more uh, interest during World War I. Germany in particular adopted it. And you're right, it was then thought to be an energy-saving measure. They thought they'd save some coal. It kind of fell out of favor after World War I and was revived for World War II with the same kind of uh, rationale that we'd get more light in the afternoon and save energy and got firmly established in the 70s during the energy crisis. But the thing about it is there was never really any energy saving. When people have analyzed the data, it didn't really help. Um, you get more light in the afternoon, but that means less light in the morning, mm. and you have to turn the lights on then. So it never really materialized, but we're stuck with it now. Yeah, no, it's interesting because there, as you point out, uh, there is no more light. We're That's not, right. We're not gaining any more light. It's the same amount of light is is present as the sun circles the earth. Yes, it's called daylight saving time. I think one of the reasons it has stuck is that that sounds important. Mm. Is daylight endangered? Do mm -hmm. we need to save it? Well, no, <laughs> we'll have the same amount. Uh, so if you're getting less light in the morning and more light in the afternoon, that's all that's happening with daylight saving. And that's where we think the biological problem is, mm. is not getting the light in the morning. Mm. And, and, you know, I, I, I was never 
clear about which was which, to be quite honest. Are, are other people confused about which is standard and which is daylight saving time? Well, standard time is what we're on right now in the winter, and daylight saving is in the summer when the clocks remember spring forward in the spring. So that means in the summer, uh, you will be getting up an hour earlier according to sun time. Now, what we're on in winter time, standard time, is closer to our natural body time. Our body clock uh, wants to reset to dawn. It wants light in the morning, Mm. and humans are very strongly... um, reset by the dawn light and we track the dawn mm-hmm. with our waking up right that's that's our biological sure. inclination is to wake right. up at dawn sure and when we're on standard time in the winter that's closer to our body time or the sun time now we call the time that we're on with uh watches and clocks and alarm clocks our social time the time society tells mm-hmm. you to get up and then we have our body time which really tracks the sun the sun mm-hmm. time in the, in the winter, standard time, those two things are closer together, and we're more naturally getting up with our alarm clock at the time our body tells us to get up. In the summer, uh, we are getting up earlier than our body clock really wants us to, and we have what's called social jet lag. Mm. It's just like jet lag when you fly across time zones. You are out of step with your natural body rhythm because you're trying to get up early. And what we're worried about is if we make daylight saving time year-round, in the wintertime, we're going to be even farther out from our body clock because, of course, this dawn is going to be later in the winter. Here in Canada, we're going to end up getting up a couple hours before dawn, according to our, with our uh, alarm clocks getting us up, our social time. And we're going to have a huge amount of social jet lag. And we know that that can be really bad for our health. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'd like to talk a little bit about those those uh, potential health risks. But just going back to the standard daylight saving time, w- I think a lot of us know that, that uh, I believe it's the province of Saskatchewan does not change time. And I believe that was because of cows have this rhythmic uh, time. They're used to being milked at a certain time. And because of all the cows, they needed to be milked at a certain time. They were used to that. Well, that's right. Saskatchewan is on standard time. Now, I don't actually know the history of that. Mm. Um, I've never quite understood the argument that daylight saving was better for farmers because farmers never liked daylight saving time. If you ask people around here, why do we do daylight Mm. saving? Some of them will say, I don't know. I heard it was good for farmers. Mm. Farmers never liked it. Mm. Um, and from what I, little I know of farming, you get up when the cows need to be milked. (laughs) You're right. You get up at dawn to plow. So you get the maximum daylight. Mm. So, uh, it's not good for farmers to have daylight saving time. And it's interesting what you're saying is it goes right back to following the sun. Absolutely. Our biological clock uh, wants to reset to the sun time. Is there any historical information regarding this issue that, that gives us a sense of that biological time clock uh, and how we obviously did follow it up until, like you were saying, around the early Industrialization, 1920s, yeah. yeah. Um, What we have now is a few studies. Now, we don't really obviously have good data before Mm. the whole field of biological rhythms got started, which was not really till the 1960s. Um, There are some interesting accounts in people's letters and written accounts from earlier times about their sleep cycles. 
people get up with the dawn and and uh, go to sleep after dusk. We tend mm. to stay up after dusk. Interesting data is now being collected on uh, populations around the world who are indigenous populations who are without electricity to ask what do they actually do. Mm. And some researchers have just now started mm. in recent years to go out and ask. They can actually compare populations. There's a really great study from Argentina comparing two populations, similar societies, but one has access to electric light and one does not. Mm. And they look at their sleep cycles, which is an excellent uh, way to look at what their clocks are doing, their biological clocks. The people without electricity are getting up at dawn, and they're going to sleep uh, at a reasonable time. The people with electricity are also getting up at dawn because they were really strongly reset by that morning light. But with electric lights, they're staying awake a little later, Mm. and they're getting less sleep, Ah. and they're losing sleep. Now, we don't know if there are any substantial health impacts because they haven't studied it that long. But we also have other indications from some studies in some African uh, populations showing we get up at dawn. That is what we naturally do. So the biological clock is something that's genetically determined, and we can't just break it like a habit and reform it. We've got to work with it. Uh, now, you, you uh, touched earlier on uh, there could be some health risks uh, in following this daylight saving time versus standard daylight, and switching back and forth, and how that affects people. Uh, can you elaborate on that? Well, what we know from uh, many studies is that messing up your biological clock has serious health implications. Most of the studies have been done on shift workers. That's mm. a pretty extreme mm. case. And they do have very serious health problems. And you may say, well, we're just talking about an hour. Could an hour make much difference? There's a great study, a series of studies that have been done uh, with several different research groups. This isn't my own research, but a group at Harvard. There's another group in Switzerland. Some other people have had the really clever idea of asking, what if we just look at a single time zone? And we know that The sun moves continuously across the sky, but we've divided the earth up into these one-hour time zones. For people on the east side of a time zone, the sun is rising an hour earlier than it is for people on the west side of a time zone. Everybody gets up at the same time, but people on the west side are getting up an hour before their dawn, and their body clocks are set to that dawn time. So they are suffering an hour of social jet lag, and they're suffering the symptoms of jet lag. But this is a chronic thing because... They're living that way all the time. They looked at, these researchers had the clever idea of looking at the health records of people living in counties. They used the United States right along the borders. If you live right on the eastern edge of a time zone or the western edge of a time zone, Mm -hmm. we're not talking about the whole country, just Mm -hmm. a single one-hour time zone. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets up at the same time, but people on the west are, are suffering an hour of social jet lag. They found some amazing statistics that the health impacts were really measurable. They People on the west edges had higher rates of overweight, obesity, diabetes, higher rates of heart problems, cardiovascular problems, and really scary data on higher rates of cancer. Um, and even gross uh, income, personal income was about 3% lower just because you lived on the western edge of a time zone. <laughs> Now, this may all be due to two things. One, they are sleep-deprived on the western edge. Mm. Everybody's getting up when their alarm clocks go off at the same time, but Mm. people on the west 
Their clocks are set later because dawn was later. They stay up later. Mm. And they're losing something like 19 minutes in a day of sleep. And that adds up over the course of a week. So they're a bit sleep deprived. And their body physiology is going to be out of step. And we know that the uh, biological clock drives rhythms in all of our physiological processes. And that's what gives you the feeling of jet lag when you fly across time zones. Those things get out of step. And when they're out of whack, we have health implications. Fascinating. That's really interesting. Uh, it goes back to, uh, I think, what you were talking about, the studies about uh, how, how time might affect the health. Uh, which you say are just starting to be done, but that looks like a, a pretty straightforward answer to, to some degree about, about that. I think so. Um, it's um, a good evidence for a one-hour time change, chronic mm. social jet lag mm. being uh, an important public health issue. If we think this, the rates of, for example, increase in obesity and uh, diabetes aren't huge. We may have something mm-hmm. like a 10% increase mm. in rates, but over the whole population, sure. that's a big yeah. impact. Sure. Um, and if we are switching to daylight saving time year-round, then everybody's going to be at least an hour social jet-lagged. The people on the west edges of time zones are going to be two hours social jet-lagged. Right. So right. it's an it's a, could have a measurable impact on uh, uh, social uh, well-being. I just want to jump in and, and say that you're listening to Element FM, and this is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest is Dr. Pat Lakin-Thomas. She is an associate professor at the Department of Biology at York University, my old school, by the way. I graduated from York really? University. Really? Yeah. Wonderful to meet an alumnus. <laughs> That's right. It's great. Uh, and we've had a few people on, and it's great to always see someone from York University. Now, uh, I'd like to get into a little bit about, uh, you know, eventually uh, get into some of the argument about uh, that we hear, you know, some people are bringing some, some uh, 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 bills forward to say we should stay on daylight saving time. And I think it's more daylight saving time that people are trying to stay on. Yes, that's right. Rather than maybe following the more uh, biological end of things, the standard time, which you've been yes, talking about. Yes, that's right. Um, however, if you don't mind, because, you know, as I say, I went to your web, your web page and I did have a look at the research focus that you've been doing. And I have to tell people that um, it was very interesting because within the first couple of lines of re- reading about your research focus, I was, I was a bit dumbfounded and had to sit there and look at some of the words that were being used in here. For instance, I'll try and get this in from memory now. Uh, eucaloids? Eucaloids? Eukaryotes. Eukaryotes and prokaryotes. Correct. Wow. Uh, right there, some of that jargon uh, just stopped me in my tracks. <laughs> what does that mean? Okay, well, um, my research at York University is looking at the uh, molecular and genetic basis for our biological rhythms. And so when I said earlier that we have to work with our clocks, my research contributes to our understanding uh, that has been developed by many labs over many years using lots of different organisms to show us that the clock is genetically encoded. Our timekeeping is really written in our genes, and so we can't change it or adapt it. We have to work with it. So I don't work with humans because they're just too complicated. I work with a simple organism. I work with a fungus. Mm. It's a bread mold. Its official name is Neurospora crassa. There you go, folks. See, there's a Neurospora crassa, Neurospora to its friends, um, the red bread mold, it's sometimes called. And it's a eukaryote, meaning it has uh, 
cells with nuclei, which are the little organelles that hold our DNA. A prokaryote is something simple like a bacterium that's just kind of a bag of chemicals. Mm. Um, So we humans are eukaryotes and everything bigger than bacteria, really. So our fungus, uh, it seems like a long way from humans, but it has many of the same genes that humans do, many of the same proteins, many of the same processes. And we uh, expect that what we learn about the biological clock at the molecular level in our fungus will apply to other organisms, including humans. Um, The research we're doing uh, looks at a couple of genes. We discovered that we could mess up the timing of the fungus. It has a wonderful timing system. It makes spores at exactly the same time of day, Ah, every day, makes spores. We can watch that and, and find out what its clock is doing. We found that there were some... We could mutate it and mess up that timing. And then we had to go in and find out what the genes were. And that took us a long time, Mm. several years. We finally tracked them down. And we were totally surprised when we discovered they were genes that are well-known in humans and plants and Mm. uh, insects. And there are a couple of genes that have to do with how well we process our food, our nutrition, and send signals to make ourselves grow. And... When you mess that up, you can mess up the timing. So we think maybe this is a link to the fact that when we mess up our clocks in humans, we have metabolic diseases. We have um, overweight diabetes. Uh, We're not sure that that connection is strong yet, but it's kind of where we're going with this. And other people have found those same genes may be important in uh, animal cells as well. And this is why I'm glad you explained what you just did for our listeners because it's all the stuff that I was coming across and I was going, see what I mean, folks? You get down to the molecular level of things that you're talking about. I had no idea that uh, in in talking about daylight saving time and standard daylight uh, time that we would get down to the molecular level of, of ourselves and how we are, are you know, our genes, uh, you know, at that level. I, I, was, I was surprised. I was really stunned by... By you know, it, you know, if you think about it, it makes perfect sense, of course. But um, I, I guess uh, it, it's fascinating stuff to 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 hear about all that. Now, you know, uh, rhythm. We talked about as just before we went to air. How if we didn't have the the word time to describe how we told time, it, we we said it was basically a rhythm. Our our universe, our our day, our day, our body, our our lifespan. These are rhythm rhythmic sort of. Absolutely. If, as a biologist, we uh, look at um, time as, as rhythmic. We talk about our daily rhythms. There are, um, of course, tidal rhythms in mm. some organisms that live on the coast, mm. and they uh, have a genetically determined rhythm that lets them know when the tide is coming in and out. Um, we have our annual rhythms, of course, uh, rhythms of reproduction in animals, mm. plants, and we have the rhythms of, of a life cycle as well. Mm. Um, and of uh, reproduction and and uh, death of a of an entire life cycle. So yes, and and rhythms in biology go right down to the millisecond level of your neurons firing rhythmically in your brain as wow. well. So we've got rhythms at every level of that's, of uh, complexity. That's fascinating. Uh, now you just brought up something else about reproduction, uh, about about th- that kind of cycle. Is there any evidence to show that that this affects women in their in their monthly cycles at all? Um, as far as how circadian rhythms, that is the daily rhythms that I study, intersect with um, estrous cycles and reproductive rhythms. 
Um, I don't know of very strong connections there, but mm. that's, yes, that's another rhythmic phenomenon. Um, they're on different time scales, so I don't really think we see a strong connection. Mm. Now, um, what else have you have you uh, seen or are you finding? I know that uh, I think it says y- your current goal is to identify compounds of the FLO. What is the FLO? <laughs> oh, dear. That's very <laughs> difficult to <laughs> explain. Okay. Um, my research is kind of uh, out in left field according to what the rest of the f- of mm. our field of, re- of uh, research is. Mm. Um, there are a, couple, a set of genes that everyone uh, studies that turn themselves on and off in a f- mm. what we call a feedback loop. So mm. the gene turns on and then its protein product turns itself off and then it turns on again and turns off again. And that is considered to be the core of how the clock works at the molecular level. And all organisms that we've studied seem to have these feedback loops, but they use different genes to make that loop work. And most people study that. But I found, uh, and other people found as well, that even if we destroyed that loop by mutating it, my fungus can still make spores rhythmically. And so there's something else there. Hmm. Now, the loop in the fungus is called the freak loop because the gene is called frequency. Okay. And the thing that happens when the, the frequency gene is gone is called the freakless rhythm, which is F-L-O, freakless oscillator. Okay. So I study the freakless oscillator. <laughs> and those are the genes that we discovered. The freak gene isn't found in anything other than fungus, so I've always suspected that can't be the basis for a universal clock that's mm. in all organisms. Mm. So uh, we study something outside of that, and what we found is maybe uh, genes that are found in all higher organisms and that might be the basis of a more universal clock that might have been the first molecular clock and other clocks, other uh, regulatory mechanisms were built on top of that maybe later in, in evolution. When you speak of evolution, you speak of a universal. I'm wondering, is there, and I know this might be outside of your field, but I'm just wondering if you've touched on this at all. Is there any... Uh, connection that you're aware of that that says this this rhythmic time is is uh, goes outside of our planet that you know that that it is beyond it is tied into something universal. I think that we are firmly tied to the Earth. Okay, this is a phenomenon that has risen through evolution because we evolved on a rotating Earth mm. that gets the sun. Uh, and the night mm. in a rhythmic process, and we had to adapt to that. Mm. So what we know about simpler organisms and how they use their circadian clocks, we think we don't really know, of course, what the f- earliest clocks were like, mm. um, but we suspect that the very earliest forms of life needed to prepare for the fact that they were going to suddenly be flooded with all of this light and heat when, mm. the, when the earth turns towards mm. the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they needed to prepare for darkness. Mm. And they needed, in some cases, to hide from the sun because the sun is quite damaging, particularly ultraviolet light, yeah. the UV light. And we think some of the uh, mechanisms that evolved were actually for keeping some cellular processes um, protected from the um, damaging ultraviolet light during the day. And so those processes only go on at night when it's safer to do those things, like replicating your DNA. That's one of the things that might have been the driver for early clocks. And now they're so massively useful that all organisms we know about have them, unless they've accidentally lost them because they now live in caves where there's no day-night mm-hmm. cycle. 
Uh, but it is something that ties us firmly to the Earth. And if we find life forms on other planets eventually, I expect they will also have adaptations to whatever their day length is mm. and whatever their uh, planetary cycles are. Yeah, that rotation, of course, is, is another thing. Uh, with the sun rotating, it, it's what uh, modulates the planet's uh, temperature. If it didn't rotate... One side of this planet would be scorching, I guess, and the other well, side would be Well, that's right. Freezing. If we faced the sun all the time, yeah. it would be a very different kind of Earth. Yeah. I suspect life would only exist in the uh, liminal regions of yeah. dusk and dawn. Yeah, interesting. Um, is there anything that we haven't touched on so far that you think is important to mention about this, this, this daylight saving time versus standard daylight saving time? Uh, we could mention the um, bills that are going through various yeah. legislatures. Mm-hmm. We know that British Columbia has very recently tabled a bill. Yep. Um, they did an, uh, a large uh, consultation with the public, mm-hmm. but they only gave them two choices. They said, do you want to stick with switching daylight, switching back and forth, or do you want to go to year-round daylight saving time? They did not give them the choice of, do you want to go to year-round standard right. time? Um, so we are trying to push forward the idea that this um, really should give them a third choice to Mm. go to standard time. Mm. And when I say we, I'm on the board of the Canadian Society for Chronobiology, and we've recently issued a position letter saying Mm. that the scientists in Canada who study this phenomenon all support that. And in that, we're joined with the Society for Research on Biological Rhythms, which is an international society based in the United States, and also several European biological rhythm research societies. And we've all come out with position papers uh, hoping to influence the politics to say that um, standard time is better for us biologically. Now, BC um, probably wants to stay in step with its trading partners on the West Coast, which Mm. is California, Washington, Oregon, Mm. all of whom also are proposing perhaps switching to year-round daylight saving time. Mm. But they have to get the federal government to okay that. So we Mm. don't know what the status is there. Interesting. There's a backbenchers bill that was brought forward in Ontario Yes, um, called the Sunshine Protection Act. Now, who would vote against that? Let's protect the sunshine. That's right. It doesn't need protecting people. It's not endangered. <laughs> um, these things sound great, but it also wants to go to daylight saving time yeah. year round. It's, I don't know. The, it kind of died because the backbencher went to the federal mm. parliament, and we mm. don't know the status of that bill at the moment. And so with your uh, with your 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 paper that you you've gone forward with to try uh, is that going right across the country have you sent that to who have you sent that to Well the uh, letter that was published uh, November 2 just before the time change was published in the Globe and Mail mm. Mm. so that uh, got some national coverage and uh, various members of our society have been doing media like this mm-hmm. um, in various parts of the country trying to get the word out mm. Um, we're not yet formally lobby- lobbying governments, so we haven't right. really reached that stage. Uh, do you think this is? Um, I- do you think this has some some potential to be a a, a, a greater issue if if you know if we all decide to go on and do different things? If every province decides to do a different thing, um, I suppose that could be a problem. But we already have a patchwork of. Mm. Um, legislation across North America, for, for example, Saskatchewan. Um, and in the United States, there are some states that don't switch either. Mm. It seems to be perfectly possible to do this without mm. totally disrupting society, and uh, I don't see a strong uh, argument against it. Everyone agrees that the switch is a terrible idea. Mm. 
We know that there are higher rates of um, accidents when we switch, particularly in the spring, when we do the spring forward. Mm. We're losing an hour of sleep. We're all sleep deprived Mm. and we're suffering an hour of jet lag because our internal physiology is out of step. We know there are even more heart attacks and strokes for a few days after that. I even have seen some evidence that judges give harsher sentences for a few days after the spring switch, probably because they're sleep-deprived and cranky. Everyone agrees it's a bad idea. And then the question is, are we going to switch to year-round daylight saving Mm. or year-round standard time? Dr. Uh, Pat uh, Lake and Thomas, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. It's really been fascinating. And I thank, thank you. you I've for, enjoyed it very much. Yeah, it's been great having you. And uh, I hope uh, we can uh, continue this conversation. Maybe once a decision has been made, either way, and we can uh, we can uh, again uh, discuss uh, the the pros and cons of what that decision may bring us. Thank you very much. I look forward to that. It's been our pleasure, Dr. Patricia Lake and Thomas, and she's an associate professor at the Department of Biology at York University been my guest. Don't go away. We'll be right back on Moment of Truth and Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto. And of course, you can also be listening on the Radio Player Canada app anywhere across the country by downloading the app and typing in 106.5 ELMNTFM or 95.7 ELMNTFM. And as I say, you could just be listening anywhere, anytime, right across the country. I'd like to welcome my next guest to the show. Matt James is a recording artist who also happens to be Indigenous, and he is from the Matagami First Nation. Now, Matagami, whereabouts is that, Matt? Um, well, Matagami. It's uh, basically... Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Metogamy is basically, um, if you know where Sudbury is, yeah. um, north of Sudbury, there's Gogama. So I like to use key points that people kind of know because it's kind of basically uh, in the middle of nowhere. But um, I'd say probably from Gogama, I'd say about 20 minutes north, and it's 45 minutes south of Timmins. Okay. So it's like right smack, kind of almost, almost in the middle of the district of Sudbury and, right. and Timmins, Ontario. Right. And uh, you're, you're not living in Sudbury, I understand. I am currently living in Sudbury, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you are here in Toronto for the week because you're part of a part of a, a, an awards uh, thing that's going on, right, with independent artists? Um, yeah, it's actually, uh, we're here celebrating uh, independent artists um, with uh, Canadian Indie Music Week here in Toronto. And I was selected as a featured artist to be at this event um, by CD Baby. Yeah, so which is cool. And you're doing a number of performances around around uh, the city uh, this week as well. That's correct. We did two yesterday, and I sat on the board of panels, and we did a, a songwriters workshop. Cool. And I was uh, very honored to be such part of something so talented. Um, just getting a little of me from Metagami First Nation. <laughs> Uh, now, of course, the other thing that uh, recently happened, and congratulations to you, is oh, that you, you won a, a Native American Music Award for Best Country Americana Album for 2019. That's right. All right. Yes. Congratulations to you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, did you uh, did you think you had a chance at that? Uh, what did you What did you think when you got in there? <clears throat> well, in the back of my mind, I think um, as any nominee, I think we only hope that we have a chance, mm. but. When I seen people such as like uh, was it Marty Stewart on the bill, 
and the list of nominees, I was like, oh my God, there goes my chance. <laughs> <laughs> but we're kind of sitting there in that moment. And out of all the three nominations that I had, um, I worked so hard on this. Um, this my first solo project, uh, self-titled Matt James, A Miner's Prayer. Um, I put so much time and effort and myself into this project that that was the one nomination that I particularly was kind of hoping for if I was to receive any of them. And when I was sitting there in that moment and they're like, and the winner of Best Country Americana Album goes to Matt James Miner's Prayer. I think I was in shock. <laughs> I ran out of the room. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God. I was like, forget going up to go get your award or anything. <laughs> I was like, um, you just I just didn't know what to do with yourself? Is that- I didn't know what to do. And um, <laughs> basically, it's like I ended up losing my dad just before I went to Nashville to record yes. the project. Right. And um, I only got one of my parents left. So um, I felt like my mom has given me this gift of life and she's been one of my biggest uh, supporters and um uh i guess you can say that she's always been there for me and she she really um encourages me to to keep going no matter what and just makes me feel like i couldn't do this without her support and acknowledgement so i felt like i owed that moment to her so i went and gave her a phone call right away and i said Guess what, Mom? <laughs> I won. <laughs> so we both couldn't even talk to each other for about two minutes because we were bawling our eyes out. <laughs> That's great. What a great story. appreciate you sharing that. But also, mm-hmm. uh, I, I know that you mentioned you did lose your dad just yeah. as you were starting this project. And um, and that uh, that was something, I guess, that had an, had a, an effect on you. But, but it also had a, a positive effect on you going into that project, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. Um, it was, I like to say that it was the worst moment of my life when I received that phone call at work. And it just absolutely devastated me because I had a huge falling out with my father two years prior mm. to his passing. And my worst fear was for him to pass and us not reconcile our differences as a father and a son. I mean, I was his only son. So. Um, he does have two other daughters, but it's like, I don't know, it's, if you have any children, it's like, you know, the father-son bond, it's just, there's something there, and it just really bothered me that we, we haven't, neither one of us can let our ego and our pride go, and, and just, just say sorry to one another, and it's like, we both, we both had a clear understanding that we never meant anything that we said to each other, and that, you know, he knew in his heart, and I knew in my heart that, we both loved each other, and out of the experience, I guess you can say what I took away the most was um, the understanding and acknowledgement of forgiveness. Um, I said it yesterday in my seminar that garbage and trash and stuff is disposable, and I come to understand that people and human beings are not disposable. So um, it really matured me in the sense of understanding who I am and I made a promise to my dad that I wouldn't uh, ever hold another grudge or I made a promise that I'd be the first to say I'm sorry even if I'm not the one who uh, 
basically is in the wrong. Um, I'll be the first to make it right, though. And and I've pretty much stuck to my gun since then. Um, I have had a couple of arguments with family members after my dad's passing. I'm not going to lie about that. But um, I did reconcile all those differences right away and immediately. And um, when I was faced with stuff, I basically realized that the burdens and stuff that I was carrying most of my life that I was kind of resentful for were, were not my burdens to carry in the first place. And, um, I guess you can say he, um, he matured me a lot and, um, he basically turned me into the man that I am today. And I guess you can say that I'm more compassionate and understanding now. And, um, family is number one now in my books, uh, after you realize that, you know, you ain't got forever. So um, that's basically uh, when I took away from that and the title track of the album, of course, he came to me in my dream shortly after his passing. And mm. he was almost killed underneath uh, underneath the ground because my dad was a minor. Mm. And um, I was able to see through his eyes and, and hear what, and like almost like as if I was had his ears or whatever, but I was still myself, but not really. I was kind of him, um, more or less like he's half me and I was half of him in my dream. And um, he was lining up some explosives and detonators on on uh, on the walk on the on the wall, and it was all connected. It looked like a great big piece of mesh. And I've never been underground in my entire life. And there's this great big machine that had this long arm and it had like a long pointy. Uh, metal piece on the end that would drill holes into the wall and I guess the um the the line that was connected to the detonator came undone or something so we had to go and fix it and a big piece of overhanging rock collapsed and just missed him so his life was basically spared on the ground and in that moment he got down on his knees and had a conversation with God and um I guess you can say that he started praying to to God thanking him for sparing his life um and word for word, his conversation with God is is minus prayer, my song. So I got up at three thirty in the morning, rushed out to the garage, got a fire going, and uh, put my pen to the paper. And I went to town in six minutes flat. I had a minus mm. prayer finished from mm. start to end, and mm. I grabbed my cell cell phone and I hit the record button. And um, I don't know how to explain it, but I knew. Every single word, I already knew the melody in my <laughs> head. Um, it was almost like it was a gift that was given to me, and mm. that's what I say to this day, that, you know, a minor's parent more than the memory were gifts from my dad, and mm. he was a little bit stingy, and in our language, that means cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, he was alive, but you know what? He's sure making up for it now, and um, I'm, I'm thankful for the lessons that he's taught me through the whole experience. Mm. I appreciate you sharing that. That's a... Yeah. appreciate that nice oh, to hear and i'm you. sure that you're not alone uh, you know in, in that experience and some other people have, have also had that uh, absolutely thing. so uh yeah so uh a miner's prayer that was uh and that's your first album 2018 that came out that's my first album um ever since um i decided to go um take the path of a solo artist um mm. i toured uh with a successful uh, Canadian bluegrass group, which I'm one of the co-founders of, and mm-hmm. um, my uh, my right wing man over here, um, Mr. Uh, Lee D. Roy. Um, we basically kind of 
formed and evolved the group, um, I'd say probably about 13 years ago, just from going to uh, bluegrass festivals and stuff, mm. and we'd be jamming around the campsites, and mm. people would come up to us and be like, when are you guys playing on stage? I was like, well, we're not. <laughs> we're just here jamming. They're like, well, you should be. I was like... Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna convince the guys that right. you know that we're worthy of some time on stage. And after heckling them for about six months, uh, we decided to form a group, and that's how the Kanaki Bluegrass Boys came to be. That's cool. Thanks, I appreciate you sharing that. Now, uh, you you won for uh, the best country Americana for the as we said Native that's American correct. Music Awards, yeah. and that's all held every year, of course, uh, just in uh, at the uh, Seneca. Uh, uh, casino, casino, yeah, yeah. Uh, just on the other side in Niagara Falls there, and um, it, it's a it's a big event, so it's cool to be in there. I'm sure with all those other artists that are nominated. Absolutely, it's kind of um, for my first time, um, kind of being introduced uh, introduced to this. Um, what a way to be introduced! <laughs> <laughs> but um, having the entire event just kind of sold out and then mm. sharing that moment with, you know, hundreds and thousands of people yeah. kind of watching you as, yeah. you know, you embarrass yourself with <laughs> <laughs> tears rolling down your face. It's, um, <laughs> and you, you come to realize that, you know, it's like um, when you think that you're all alone in this world and at times uh, it can get a little bit hard and stuff and you kind of think that, you know, people talk about you and and they have good things whether it's good or bad it's like you don't really think that they know you but you 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 really come to realize in that moment when they start voting for you and mm -hmm. they start buying your your music and purchasing <laughs> it and then start following you and commenting and and you see them in person and they're like hey Matt how's it going how's your dog doing i'm like you know what? <laughs> i'm like I, you know what? I guess they really do know me, so it's it's a little bit of a surreal moment to mm. to share a moment like that at such a, an extravagant event. Yeah, and I couldn't be more honored and feel more blessed. Yeah, well, congratulations once again on that. Now, as you said, you were nominated in three categories. That's correct. Yeah, so it was uh, outstanding Indigenous artist. Uh, and also um, best video concept. Best, yeah, yeah. Explain that to me. Best video concept. Huh, well, I. Pretty much had this like idea of seeing that River Valley was basically where we kind of it's a it's a small little town. Um, Jesus, it's a, it's in really in the middle of nowhere. Um, I guess you can say it's near Sturgeon Falls. Okay, and Field. Mm. Um, but that was my very first bluegrass festival I ever went to, and I thought, what better place to shoot my very first music video mm. and get the people who encouraged me and supported me and made me feel like I was worthy enough to, to to have a time slot up on that stage and get them involved in my first music video and we put together um next to you was my right. first music yeah, yeah, video. Yeah, yeah. And uh we shot it right there in River Valley and we got everyone that was in the park and during dinner break they gave us a stage and <laughs> we went to town. <laughs> Didn't waste no time. It was a rainy day that day and for the minute that I jumped up on stage and we got the the music rocking and stuff, the um, it was almost like one of those moments where it's like, oh, and the skies <laughs> open up. <laughs> and the sun came out for that whole hour and then it got cloudy and rainy again after. So hey. I was really happy that the, uh, the weather cooperated, I guess you could say it was meant to be. <laughs> yeah, cool. That's great. Um, 
so listen, uh, tell me more about what's been going on with this uh, this indie presentation thing that's been going on. CD Baby got you in there as you, you were the first artist for this uh, for, for what they're doing with their with their um, what is it exactly? Because I um what they're basically doing is they're doing a um, a launch um, yes. for their website and stuff. And what they're doing is they chose um, ten independent artists who they basically looked at their stats and how they were performing and and how their record sales were going and stuff and um, whether you were actively touring and stuff. And they grabbed, I guess, the top uh, 10 artists, invited us down to Toronto here to the uh, YouTube um, headquarters, and CD Baby and YouTube uh, teamed up, and we basically got to go in and a song and record and um the song that i performed here today um shine down was the was the video that um we ended up shooting there and just a couple uh i'd say about a week ago daryl hurst from cd baby um gave me a phone call and he was like well i got some news for you matt i was just like oh my god i don't know if i can handle any more news <laughs> but he goes um we decided basically we're doing a soft launch on saturday and we're going to be doing a mixer for CD Baby in Toronto, and it's going to be like a um, a soft launch party. Mm. And we just want to let you know that we uh, decided to make you our very first featured artist. And um, I was driving at that moment. I had to pull over because I was like, what? <laughs> so he goes, yeah, we're, we're going to make you the first, like the very first ever featured artist in what they're going to be basically doing is they're going to be launching it on YouTube um, and their official website. And they're going to have, uh, I did a, um interview while I was at the YouTube headquarters. Mm. And we did like a series of questions, like basically kind of given a clear statement of how I came to be and what it means to me to be an independent artist with CD Baby and mm. Um, it may sound a little cliche, but I was like, it means everything to me to me because they're the first company that basically didn't just give you a product um, like most companies would do. Um, they gave me some firsthand um, help and experience and opportunities by inviting me down to Canadian Music Week here in Toronto. That was the very first uh, time that they reached out to me and they gave me my second opportunity with the YouTube uh, video, and here I am at Canadian Indie Week, and they're featured artist. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Your first artist for their artist spotlight. Mm -hmm. uh, so what we're going to do here is we're just going to introduce the song, because we're going to go back in, because you said for the song I performed here today. Yeah. So we'll just pretend we're introducing the song. We'll insert mm -hmm. that and then we'll have the song, and then it'll come back into our conversation. Okay? That's perfect. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so Matt, uh, you, you uh, brought your guitar, so uh, I think you're going to play a song for us. What uh, what song you got lined up? Well, I'm going to take this old bad boy out and uh, tune her up for you, and uh, I'm going to play you a brand new song that I just recently shot with uh, YouTube and CD Baby, and this is my song, one entitled Shine Down. Great. Let's give it a listen. Matt James on Element FM will be back right after he performs a song and talk more with Matt.
Is it your heart that's bleeding? Was it something I said that made you change your mind? I can't stop this grieving This vessel's been carried deep into a storm Toss every penny down that wishing well It's crazy what a broken heart could do to you All I need from you right here, right now Is to have a little faith in me Shine down on me, shine down on me, shine down on me, shine down. Don't be afraid to stand a little down on me. This is not what you wanted. And how the hell am I supposed to ever get through to you when you got your back to the corner? I'd rather be spending all of my time on you And I regret every single mistake that I made Just tell me how to make this up to you Just say those words and I'll be right there in a hurry, baby
All right. Matt James on Element FM. Great yeah. song. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, guys, for doing that. That thank was great. You. Nice song. Oh, thank um, you so, much. so listen, let's talk a little bit more. Another person you mentioned, of course, uh, in, in some of the things I've seen, is you give... Uh, you you give a shout out to uh, Lawrence Martin, or as I know him, Mister uh, Wapson. Yeah, Mister Wapson. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So how did that uh, how did that come about that you uh, you were able to I guess be taken under his wing to some degree? Well, basically, um, like I said, I'm from Otagami First Nation, and mm-hmm. um, I basically wanted to start a well, I didn't want to start. I actually did start a uh, music festival there called Metagamy First Nation Summer Fest. Mm. And uh, we're probably into our third year, and uh, one of the artists that I had initially hired for the uh, festival um, had to back out at the last moment due to a uh, family uh, matter, and um, I'm glad everything turned out okay for them. Um, but it kind of left me short uh, for uh, a time slot with uh, with not having the artist there, so it's either me fill the spot and then my cousin Don reached out to me, and she's like, "Have you ever heard of Lawrence Martin?" I was like, "Can't say that I have. Maybe I have. Maybe I haven't." She goes, "Well, he's really good. He's a Juno Award-winning artist." And I was just like, "Oh wow, you think you'll actually come over here and play?" <laughs> so she goes, "Absolutely. Uh, he's a great guy." So she gave him a phone call, and uh, he ended up uh, getting in contact with me. I asked him if he was interested, and he said, "What's the date?" Give him the date. He says, I'm there. So I was like, right on, man. So um absolutely fell in love with his, um with the way that he presented himself, how mm. he included our, you know, indigenous heritage mm. into his music and mm. really inspired me to start tailing in on some of that uh, and honing in and trying to really bring that element into my own music, um, which I, which I, which I have. Mm. And you can hear it in some of the new stuff that I have written. Um, but basically, ever since that day, he kind of started mentoring me behind the scenes and giving me these different opportunities because he's also an art um, an art dealer, I guess you can say. Mm. And um, he travels all over the place to different conferences and, and workshops. And while he's there, he's always talking about Matt. James. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So I'm thankful for that. I mean, he's he's done a lot for me and I, I owe so much gratitude to him. Mm. And um, I think he used to be uh, the mayor of what, Timmins. Was he mayor of Timmins? I think it was Cochrane. Cochrane? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I knew, it was, he knew he was up there somewhere, but uh, I think he was the first Juno uh, Indigenous M- Music Award winner. If That's right. Mistaken. He was yeah. the very first recipient of yeah. a, uh, a Juno and... I feel like I'm so honored and, you know, like he said to me uh, in one of the messages, he goes, he goes, I guess it's your turn now. (laughs) Nice. So I said, well, if you help me uh, get there, um, I'm going to work my hardest and I ain't going to stop until it happens. As a matter of fact, I said I was I'm not going to stop until I'm standing center stage at the Grand Ole Opry. Cool. I'm pretty sure that it's going to happen. Well, Matt, let's hope it does. Uh, you know, we're we're quickly running out of time, but mm-hmm. I wanted to uh, congratulate you once again on the award. Thank and, you. And also, uh, I want to mention uh, you have some gigs coming up, though. Uh, do you want to uh, do you want to mention those at all? Absolutely. Um, as soon as we're done here, we're basically um, going back for one day and mm-hmm. then packing up, and then we're heading over to Casino Rama, where we're going to be playing at Casino Rama. We're going to be there for three days. Okay. 
Um, it's part of Kuno, which is Kuno and Mano Child Protective mm. Family Services, and they're doing like a banquet, I guess. Mm. And they um, hired venue. me, uh, Lawrence Martin, and Vern Chichu, and we're gonna be the entertainment for the for the event. And cool. once we're done that, yeah, we're flying all the way out to Pewanic and that? way up north. They oh. got polar bears there. <laughs> 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 so. Um, I'm looking. Uh, hopefully, I'll see a polar bear or some seals <laughs> when I'm down there. Just uh, I've never seen anything like that before. So, um, yeah, we we got a whole bunch of things coming up. And and you've mentioned you've written a gonna, bunch of new music. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds like. So, uh, what do you got plans for recording? Well, we're he- we're hoping to head back into the studio, uh, perhaps Nashville again, mm. and um, go record. If not an entire album, I'd like to advent- uh, at least get a couple singles in there. Um, we went with Kenny Royster, who produced three number one singles off mm. my Miner's Prayer mm-hmm. album. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd love to use him again because uh, he's a man with the golden ears and he makes mm. it happen. He produced Luke Combs' number one single, Hurricane, and mm. he got three of mine and got me a winning album. So <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. It's a safe bet to go with him. <laughs> We're also right. playing tonight at uh, Cameron. The Cameron, Cameron House. House. Yeah. You can find us there. All right. So, listen, I wanted to thank you once again for coming in. Miigwech for coming in. I yeah. wish you all the best in the future. Really want to thank you for uh, bringing your guitar and performing that song for us. It was oh, great that problem. you guys did that. And um, I just want to give uh, people a shout out here. If you're looking, if you're looking to find out more about Matt James, you can go to his website. It's uh, mattjamesmusic.ca. That's correct. You can also find him on the social media tags at Matt James Official on Facebook and Instagram. That's correct. That's so correct. Uh, you want to check him out? You can do that. Uh, check out his album, which is up there. You can see, you uh, see the it, video, uh, which is up there as well. If you want to purchase that, you can head yeah. to cdbaby.com. <laughs> there you go. And uh, anywhere that's basically streamable. Uh, any idea when that stuff is going to be aired, the uh, CD Baby stuff that you did for the YouTube channel? What's that? Is that online now? or What I can do is like, if anyone wants to like uh, head over to any of my social media platforms, I'll have a link where they can yeah. definitely find that. All right, great. Matt, once again, uh, Jimmy Gretz, for coming in. It's great yes. having you here. Jimmy Gretz, thank you for having me. All right. Matt James, and he is uh, the Native American Music Award winner for the uh, uh, Country Music Album uh, for 2019. Congratulations to him on that, and all the best in the future. That's the show for today. I want to thank you all for listening, and until next time, onigihia. I also want to say Nyawa, Miigwech, Wanishi, and thank you to everyone who helps put Moment of Truth together. They include in Ottawa, Jill Kennedy and Caroline O'Neill. In Toronto, Andrew Johnson, Luca Capone, Kathy Zabokin, Bruce Barber, Andrew St. Germain. Nyawa, Miigwech, and thanks for listening.